DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in David Locke, jazz radio voice. He is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And David is joining us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. David, good morning. I hear the weather there is delightful. Uh, we're getting more snow, and we got uh, snow on uh, on the plaza outside the arena. So I'd assume up on the mountain where you like to ski, they're doing great. You're you're missing you're missing 24 inches. Yak says so. That's about time. We needed it, and it is a guarantee. Now, if the Jazz are traveling again, if anybody needs to know when to schedule their ski day, find the Utah Jazz being out of town, and you can guarantee a good snowstorm. Powder days always correspond to Locke's travel schedule. Huh? I don't think if they get to finals, we're going to have a good snowstorm. You know, the way they're playing right now, we can start talking So the Jazz handle the Sixers, blow the game open in the third quarter again, like they did in Minnesota. Watching the games, I don't see a whole lot to complain about. It seems like the bigger question is, how long, I mean, it's such a grind, guys get hurt, travel wears guys down, guys get sick, whatever, or guys just lose their focus. They, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, they get bored with the winning, lose their focus, and they aren't quite as dialed in as the Jazz are right now. Is the biggest question now, how long can they stay this dialed in? No, I think they still, I mean, what's really special about, yes, so yes in one sense, but I think it's still the same quest that Quinn has kind of defined for these guys, which to your point of being dialed in is a really hard ask for them. And that is like, let's be ready at game 70 and 75. Like everything is about getting better at game 70 and 75. And there were two plays this trip that jumped out to me of that. And both of them were cases where without getting into boring specifics, the other team changed their defense. Out of no, out of what they regularly do, into something dramatically different, and in both circumstances, the Jazz reacted perfectly and got a wide open look. I don't actually even know if they made either shot, but it was such a clear sign of, you know, okay, so you've been defending us this way all day, and you try to surprise us. The minute our guys have now played together enough, understand it well enough, coach, smart enough, that they recognized it uh, perfectly. And actually, maybe most importantly, both times Donovan had the ball. And so you're seeing his maturation of making reads and recognizing what's going on. They're, they're, they're sharp right now, particularly offensively. So with them being as sharp as they've been offensively, as you say, is there any defense that can stop them beyond them missing shots? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Last night there were some components that you would have thought would have worked, and they didn't. Um, Golden State's going to be able to switch it one through five with really good defenders. Um, Boston switched it one through five without Jalen Brown didn't have quite as good defenders in this little run. Um, um, who's the number two defense in the league? We probably just played them. We've played like all top five defenses recently and throttled all. That's what you said last week as you were previewing yeah. this trip. Um, I mean, it's really incredible. And if you get into it, Boston switched. Um, what was our first stop? Cleveland played kind of a drop, but just a really long over shifted defense. Minnesota trapped the ball, and then Embiid plays pure drop. They only switch about 11% of their pick, so they switch almost none. Um, they only switch by accident. 
And so you have played four entirely different defenses, and they've gotten all of them. The one that jumps out to me the most, PK, to this to your question, is the first half against Minnesota. If you go look, you know, if you go to if somebody wants to do this at home, you go to NBAStats.com and then go to the box score at NBAStats.com, and you can filter out and just look at the first half. And we shoot like forty-four percent. Overall, we're like we take we do take thirty of our forty-seven shots as threes, which is kind of the key here. Um, we we only go eleven of thirty from three. We have two offensive rebounds. We have like four free throw attempts. We're doing absolutely nothing remarkable at all, other than we only turned it over five times. So that was it. the only thing, two things we did that were remarkable: was we didn't turn it over, and we took a huge amount of threes. Our shot distribution was incredible. On that, with that half of basketball, if we did that for the entire year, we'd have the number one offense in the league. It's kind of crazy. So that's us doing absolutely nothing special, but solely based on our shot distribution right now, being so elite that we were the number one offense. We were in the number one offense in the league. Like I, I, I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but I haven't checked it this morning. But as of you know, one o'clock last night when we got in, I believe we're. Four and a half points better than any other offense in the NBA right now per 100 possessions, and that's the same difference. One to two is two to 15. And we're nearly 9.6, I think we're 9.6 points above league average since that's been kept, which is, you know, I think since 03 is where the data goes back. Um, I don't think anyone's ever been 9.6 points above average. No one's ever been 10, uh, and we're heading toward it. It's pretty remarkable right now. Tomorrow's a task is they take away the three. They're, they play as analytically smart as we do, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see whether we can have that same advantage. So PK and I were getting into the evolution of the game, and I think to the bigger point, there's some truth to it, but you're probably more dialed in as far as has it been achieved yet, has it been achieved by anybody, or is it something that is maybe within the grasp but not quite there yet? You know, Jerry Sloan wanted all the shots right on top of the rim. That guy wanted layups and dunks, and he'd do all kinds of stuff to create layups and dunks. The game evolves. The coaches still want layups and dunks, but they also want a lot of threes. And so you're trying to force people to shoot the intermediate two. And Chris Paul has gotten spectacularly good at that. Have, is he or anybody else we were talking Well, Donovan's gotten pretty good at the two. Have they gotten to the point where they make enough of those to offset, you know, they don't make as many as they're going to make layups and dunks, but they make so many of them, it offsets the need to have a three because obviously you get the extra point for the three. Has anybody gotten that efficient on a mid-range shot that it's at the point where, hey, this is making sense. You can do a lot of winning with this. Uh, we're getting close on the floater right now. So here's, I'm reading Seth Partnow's book. It's called Mid-Range Theory, if anyone's interested in it. I strongly suggest it. It's a really good kind of history of the analytics and where we are with it. It's really, really, really good. And it's funny. Like, it's well done. Um, and I'm, I, I'm going to actually finish it. Like I never finish these kind of books. So it's, uh, it's not a totally dry read. He makes a really interesting point about what the, the three has done. And he actually has data to back it up. So what the three has done is eliminated the bad shooter from playing in the mid range. Well, we've generally eliminated bad shooters, but the only players now playing in the mid range are Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, George. Like, if you look at our shots, like Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, 
and and Jordan Clarkson will take some mid-range shots. Boyan a little bit. They're they're really high-level shooters. You don't see Royce O'Neal taking a mid-range shot anymore. You don't see. You shouldn't see Thibel taking a mid-range shot anymore. You did a few times last night because we had them pretty flustered. But that's what's actually happened. The evolution of the game is if you go look at the high-usage players, they're taking the same amount of mid-range shots as they ever did. And what's what instead is happening is that the not-very-good players aren't taking them anymore. And then what Partnow's point is that's really interesting is because you've got such a – everyone putting such a demand on the rim – and everyone putting such a demand outside the arc. You're giving the best players in the world more room than ever before mm-hmm. in the mid-range to play. Like, if you think back about Hornacek or Stockton or Jeff Malone coming around those curls or old jazz days, like, Jeff Malone, there was no room in there to take that shot. Now, you come around, you got room because everyone's hugging to the corner three shooters and watching the rim. And so that's – so they've actually el- – eliminated the bad shooters and given the best shooters more room. Um, so that's the first thing onto what you're saying. The Houston Rockets, who are surprising everyone by winning right now, are winning because they have the optimum shot distribution that can be created in the NBA. I worked on this about four years ago and built a model in the summer about what was the optimum shot distribution for a team based on the history of kind of where shots have been in the league. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Not in the summer. Come on. I did. Uh, um, And it's 40% of your shots at the rim, 40% of your shots at three, and 20% of your shots as non-restricted area twos. Um, Ideally, you'd love to be 45, 45, 10, but that's not realistic. There's just a certain amount of shots that are going to happen in the mid-range. And so then the game is – so first thing, Houston's doing it. Last night we came close. Last night I think we were 39, 41, 20. We were pretty perfect last night. As a whole, what what has happened – Sorry, there's a lot of information here, so feel free to interrupt me if you've like rolled back in your eyes or if, when David's done with his Danish. Um, the the league can defenses can take away the rim, offenses dictate how many threes are taken. So it's become a little bit more. Thirty five percent of your shots to the rim, forty five percent of your shots as three is now optimum because it's just too hard to get forty percent of your shots to the rim. But Houston's actually doing it, which is really interesting. Um, I have another thought or three on this, but I'll stop. <laughs> You lost us when you said you you came up with some system in the summer. Should, shouldn't you go golfing? You got a kid who's a good golfer, man. Cats in the cradle. They're going to head off to college. You know you've sent one off to college. Come on, David. Let's golf. So we've played 18 holes. I've gone on a two-hour mountain bike ride. There's still hours left in the day. Yeah, and this guy doesn't sleep much. <laughs> that, there is the, the not sleeping thing. That i got to factor in. I slept through my alarm today. So, therefore, I got seven and a half hours of sleep. It was great. Well, that explains it. <laughs> uh, Conley back-to-back, man. I thought that was forbidden, but now we're seeing it. So, PK, this is super interesting. This is because of Trent Forrest. Go ahead and explain. So, the Jazz are sneaking Trent Forrest into games for somewhere between three and, like, seven minutes every night. And to some extent, it seems irrelevant, Right. But it's really keeping Mike Conley down to somewhere between 26 and 31 minutes a night, depending on the night. And that's making Mike feel less fatigued and more comfortable playing back-to-backs than he was when he was playing 33 or 34 minutes a night. 
It's a really interesting move by the coaching staff. We just see that little substitution. You don't think much of it, but when Trent Forrest suddenly plays three minutes in each half, Mike Conley just went from 32 to 26 minutes, and then he plays back-to-backs. What did he play last night? I think he's gone 24 and 25 in this back-to-back. I was just looking right. it up. I mean, that's you, – you, you sh- You've got to be able – if you're playing 24 minutes, you really got to be able to play the next night. Like, and there's all sorts of studies that show the taxes when you, you know, when you cross over the 30-plus minute mark, 32, 33-minute mark, that's when you're really taxing your body. So then we expect that going forward, I guess. I would think so. I mean, um, and I think there was probably – as much as it was health and later in the year, just knowing Mike as, as I've gotten to know him – I don't think he liked the separation of him from the rest of the team. Sure. Mike's not a demonstrative leader in any way. Like if you actually want to give him a criticism, it's just, he's too nice and too quiet. Like, you know, you'd like him to probably be a little bit more of a demonstrative leader. It's just not who he is. It's he wouldn't be known as the nicest guy in the league that way. And I don't think he liked the fact that he was somehow being separated from the rest of the team. Yeah. I would think he didn't like it on multiple levels. Getting treated like you're different and you're special or getting treated like you're old and fragile, I can see. And and plus, Jeff Hornacek said, I like playing basketball. Playing basketball is a lot more fun than watching basketball. He says, my favorite minutes in the game are not when I'm sitting on the bench. Favorite minutes in the game are when I'm out there. So if you know you're going into a day and you're not going to play and everybody else is, I, I think there's multiple reasons for him not to like that. Jeff Hornacek so interesting. We all have these little stories from talking and spending time with Jeff. And we were all so fortunate to do it. I remember I went to dinner with Jeff in Denver, and we were talking about the end of his career, and he shared with me that, and I was like, you know, did you reti- why did you retire? And he's like, you know, I really retired because I used to drive to the arena every night. And, like, as I got closer, I'd get a little nervous and stuff, like, all right, I've got to be good tonight, got to be good tonight. You know, thinking if I wasn't good, we were going to lose. And... Then later in my career, I would just drive to the arena and be like, well, we'll see. Like, is, you know, I wasn't playing enough to impact the game. It, it really makes me admire Rudy Gay. Because, first of all, he's like, go look at our numbers since Rudy Gay started playing. It's really fairly astronomical. Um, I mean, th- those are the ones. Like, if you want to go get giddy as a jazz fan right now, start looking at us since Rudy Gay started playing. Like, it's, it's pretty nutty. Like, oh, like maybe this is the piece. Um, I mean, frankly, we should have, if we had not won two reviews, we'd have won 11 straight, right? 12 straight? 12 well, straight. 9 and 2 when he plays, and it's a 98 97 loss to the Pelicans and the 119 118 loss, two one point losses, Pelicans and Grizzlies. Right. Bo- both of them, which we had won, but we won a review <laughs> that'll re- like, literally, like the review came out in our quote favor, quotes around that, that then gave the other team a chance to win. Donovan hit the three, the game was over. And then the uh, and then the Rudy had the rebound. The game was over, or Royce had the rebound. The game was over. In both of them, games were over. No reviews. Both games over. We won eleven in a row. We have not lost since Rudy Gay started playing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's not subtle. Like Eric Pascal's fine. He's worked his ass off and he plays hard and it's great. But Rudy Gay's really good. There were two plays last night where we ran the old traditional horn set, which. We suddenly ran it to Rudy Gay and a quick pick by Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gay's now coming around the corner on a right-hand dribble to the rack. I I don't know how you guard that. Like we can get into you got a forty percent corner three shooter in each corner. 
Mike Conley enters it to the right elbow to Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay, you set up. Uh, Rudy Gobert comes over, sets a quick pick. Rudy Gay turns the corner. Like, your big can't drop that low. If your big drops, Rudy's on the inside of the guy you just set the pick on. You switch it, Rudy's on the inside of the guy. You just, Rudy Gobert's on the inside of the guy you just set the pick on. Like, I don't know how you guard that. Like, I think that will be a go-to play. We see time. It was so gorgeous last night that I can't imagine Quinn Snyder just doesn't become enamored with that set. Like, there's – I don't know how you guard that. It's really – Reminds me a little bit of the old DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin pick and roll the Clippers used to run at the top there. And it was unguardable. So will Quinn just lay off of that because he doesn't want people to have a chance to figure it out? While you've been talking, uh, ESPN's running a segment here, and I can see in the graphic, has the NFL figured out Lamar Jackson? You know, the more people get a chance, you give smart people more film and a chance to break it down, they might figure something out. So... They might, but I actually had a really interesting dinner on this trip in which I asked some of our coaches, like, if they had to prepare shoot-around against us, what would they do? And it was really interesting how little you can actually touch. Now, in a playoff series, that's a little different, right? Now you can really dig in. But in just a game-to-game sequence, the Jazz are going to run Rudy Gay off a Horns pick three times in a night. Like we're going to run Donovan Mitchell off a of Rudy Gobert pick seventeen times, and we're going to run Mike Conley off a of Rudy Gobert pick twelve times, and we're going to pin down for Boyan about eight times. You're going to worry about those three plays, and the amount of other things we can do offensively that you don't have time to prepare for. It's pretty astronomical. David, we got to leave it right there because Joe Ingles well, is let, coming up let, next. Oh uh, yeah, then you got to go because I wanted to ask you. Like, does it feel like you're watching one of the great offenses of all time? Uh, no. Because the stats say we are, which is, it doesn't, um, I think just your bias that you feel like you have to have LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe, you know, someone like that to have the greatest offense of all time. But the stats say we're watching one of the great offenses of all time. We will bring that up with you another week, and we will continue watching. Okay, tell Joe I say hi. I will. See ya. Joe Ingles is coming up next. There's David Locke on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Stay with us for Joe. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 Furnace Tune-Up Special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Utah Jazz coming off another good win. They beat the Sixers in Philadelphia. Beat them decisively, win by 22. Once again, the game was over in the middle of the fourth quarter. Once again, they blew them out in the third quarter. The winning streak keeps getting better. They're still chasing the Suns and the Warriors in the standings. We'll see if those guys slip up. Both sitting on four losses, the Jazz sitting on seven. But it's a six-game win streak now uh, for the Jazz. Do? Milwaukee was the four seed last year. And got her done. Don't be bothering me with freaking stupid details that don't matter. It's a problem. You bother me a lot with freaking stupid details that don't matter. It's part of the magic of the show. I'm going to have to keep doing it. I've had it. People like when you get irritated with me. Well, welcome to Tuesday. <laughs> it's Friday, dude. I know. I'm using a point. <laughs> oh, okay. Any day of the week, pick one. I knew you wouldn't get it. I didn't. Freaking Marshall idiot. Falk University. There's a lot of things I don't get. That was your... That was a bad moment for you. <laughs> Just one in a long line. 
<laughs> Not even the worst bad moment. What was the worst bad moment? Uh, probably, probably Debbie. Yeah, probably Debbie. Debbie? Yes, okay. That was bad. Although the ultra big flag was not a great moment either. So ah. those are like one and one A. Yule Tide's gay, huh? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 <laughs> at 1280 The Zone. It's time right now to bring in Joe Ingles. Sweet. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic. <laughs> And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome back Joe Ingles. Ooh. Joe, good morning. And, Hi. And hey, thank Joe. you. How are you, Joe? <laughs> what are you thanking me for? He's being Joe. I've asked you many times, hey, could you play a good game before you come on? Because it's always more fun to have you on after a win than after a loss. <laughs> and not just you, but the entire group. You've gone beyond playing well. I feel like the last two games especially have been clinics. And I wonder if... Uh, the coaches, not Quinn, but the entire staff, are as complimentary as a lot of the fans have been, as a lot of the media has been, because uh, you really handled business in these last two games on a road. I mean, Cleveland, you had to grind it out and win, but these last two, you just ending games in the third quarter. Yeah, um, uh, I wouldn't say they're like. I mean, obviously, every, the the vibe is 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 good. Um, I wouldn't say. We ever probably as a team or staff or obviously the kind of close people around us that are around us daily ever get too high or, or, or too low. Um, that's the part of this business. And I mean, we're going to play another game this year and the Twitter world's going to think the, the world is ending and that we're all going to disappear off the face of the earth or something because we, we didn't play a good game. So for, for us, it's very easy to... Um, kind of just stay the course and obviously we're, we're happy with what we've been building and getting better and better um, and, and figuring out some things um, but we've obviously we've got a day off today in, in DC but then obviously another another tough one tomorrow Is it a week on the road? Is that about your limit? Oh it sucks man <laughs> <laughs> I thought so <laughs> Oh man um Obviously, the um, start of the trip. I think we we kind of we debated whether we go we either come home or not after Cleveland. But obviously, the the, the time of the flight, the flight time, and and all that isn't isn't really smart to do that, especially going into a back to back. So we had a day in Cleveland, and then we had a day in Minnesota, and then we played. Um, they're they're the ones that. If we just played every second day, it's more when you can. If we're busy on the road, it's it's yeah. fine because there's there's games, there's travel, there's games, there's travel. When you have two days, and then we've we've got today off as well, um, or some optional stuff um, at lunchtime today. So there, the it's just like it's eleven o'clock or whatever now. Eleven thirty. I've got eight hours, nine, ten hours to waste <laughs> until I can go to bed. <laughs> 
And then I've got all day tomorrow to waste, and then I've still got to play the game. And so it's been a, it has been a long trip, but um, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a schedule. Yeah, I was in Vegas last week for four days for Utah University. Utah played in the Pac-12 title yeah. game. So I was down there for lost, four days. Uh, I lost a bet on that. Okay. I didn't mean to bet against Utah, but the other person <laughs> wanted Utah, and I really just wanted to bet. So. <laughs> well, I couldn't wait yeah. to get home, man. Gamble responsible. Four days, and it was all I could take. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's yeah, it's different. And obviously, with kids at home, and our nanny's actually gone back to Australia for a little bit to, for Christmas and stuff. So Renee's by herself, and I'm just like, oh man, it'll be nasty. But Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. So, PK, go ahead and tell him the cookie story because Joe comes on and entertains us week after week, year after year. Joe's going to find this story to, hilarious. Oh, it Joe probably. The cookie, it has to do with George as well. <laughs> he may have gone inside. I don't know. So I'm in Vegas. I'm staying at the Palms Hotel. And right across the street was a sign that said cookies. And the day of the game was Friday, Friday night. And so Friday around 2 we had to be outside and drive over, and it was a very nice day. It was like 70 degrees. I thought, I'll just walk around, and I see the cookie shop. I'd have been looking at it for four days, and uh, I thought, I'll go in and get a cookie. And <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love this show. So I approach the uh, place, the front door, and I see two guys ahead of me, and they got their pants sagging and all that, and the guy comes out, security guy comes out, and he's got one of those wands that you would lose, use like at airport security, and he has yeah. them open their arms and spread their legs, and he's going up and down, and then he's got to, then they got to show their IDs, and I'm thinking, all this for a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> Man, what is going on here? And I thought, wait sure a second. You're not that old and naive. I, I was on this time. <laughs> but, well, right, not more than 15 yards to the left, a separate building said marijuana dispensary, right? And so it was right there. And I'm thinking, I just want a chocolate chip cookie, man. I don't want to get wasted. And so I call it up on my phone, and I think, do I really want to go in? And then I see all the products have marijuana in them. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go in. I got to go to work, man. I can't be getting... So did you get a cookie? No, I did not get a cookie. <laughs> Why didn't you get a cookie? Because they had marijuana in them, Joe, and I was on assignment for work, and I didn't bad. think it was appropriate. And plus, for four days in the hotel, I had smelled marijuana as if I was at a Grateful Dead concert or something the entire time. I, if I had to pass a drug test on Friday night, I don't think I could have from all the secondhand smoke of the marijuana smoke. Man, Vegas, get me out of there. So did you get a cookie in it? I did, did not get a freaking cookie, Joe. I went and got no, a no, six no, pack no, of uh, of what's what's a. No, but he's asking, did you go to another place oh, and get oh. the cookie? Another place? You, no, I went to the dispensary the and said, "What the hell?" <laughs> no, I did not get a cookie. <laughs> At this point, we had to leave for the stadium, and I thought, oh, "I'll I'll just get food there." So I was gonna say, trust me. If, if if the media room or whatever is anything like our media room, I'm sure you could have got a cookie there. Right. At that point, it was getting close time. To go. I just went outside because it was a nice day, and I thought I'd walk around, and I thought I'd get a cookie, not uh, get a bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you calling a game or something would have been hilarious, though, if you did get a cookie. <laughs> 
Oh, brother. <laughs> so, PK doesn't call a lot of games, but he called one. You want to get the drop ready? I want to tell Joe the story, though, before we do this. So, next time you're talking to Kevin Durant, you got some downtime. We're very curious if Kevin remembers this. So, he gets drafted, and the summer league is at Salt Lake Community College. And the cool. fact he's going to play his first game he's 19 there, years old, yeah. Yeah. The fact he's going to play his first game out of the University of Texas there, summer night in Utah, big deal, place is, is packed. Uh, Locke doesn't call summer league games. They have me do the play-by-play, and PK's doing the color. So there's one second on the shot clock. Durant's team has the ball inbounds underneath the basket. He's right in front of us, right by the Jazz bench, right in front of us beyond the three-point line. They throw the ball to him. It's super high. He stretches out his entire seven-foot frame. He catches it. He's not not seven-foot. Okay. His entire 6'11 and one-quarter-inch frame. Catches it in one motion, shoots it. Banks it off the rim as the buzzer goes off. It goes around the rim, around the rim, off the glass a second time and in. And PK erupts, and, and Durant hears him as he backpedals. He turns and smiles at PK because it was a cool shot. Here's what PK yells that crack Kevin Durant up. <laughs> oh, I seen it all! <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Come on, man. <laughs> that's, that's why you've never got another game. <laughs> I thought my, I was an excellent color commentator there. Get out of town, Thurl Bailey. Seen it all. <laughs> Why didn't uh, was Locke too cool to do it back then? He, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think he had been hired yet. Oh, think, was it not Locke at was, that point? No, I think he was, was making the transition from Seattle to Salt uh, okay. Lake. So, so Hot Rod was still doing the game. We were filling in for Hot Rod because he would take off. Yeah, yeah, he would go. He wouldn't be here. Yeah, in we, the were summer. For, we were filling in for Hot Rod. And, and Locke was Locke was about a month away from being hired, so he wasn't with oh, us just okay. yet. Back in, this would have been in 2007. Yeah. But anyways, Kevin Durant, definitely, I, I guarantee you 100%, he heard PK and it cracked him up. He turned and smiled at PK. Yeah, like, the shot is online. You can see it. Oh, yeah. The shot's spectacular. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at it after this. Yeah, you got eight hours to kill, so what the heck, right? I've got a lot of hours. <laughs> so when you own a team in Australia, Joe, bring me down and I'll do color commentation. Or commentary. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'll get my kids to do it at home. Oh, there you go. Nepotism. That works. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the best way to break in. That's a good idea. <laughs> Keep the business in the family, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I saw you had a thing. Uh, I saw Exum was picked up by a Spanish team, and he's only 20. Spanish team. Are you serious? Well, Barcelona. Okay, fine. The biggest. I go. I, I go. But he's Come only on 26 years old. <laughs> He was a rookie. You two were rookies. Doesn't it seem like 20 years ago? It does seem like a long, long... Um, my life has dramatically changed yes. since the time I first got there, um, as as probably his has too. But, um, yeah, I came to Utah as a young... Oh, an old, young, 27-year-old and... Um, Got engaged right after that, and then got married, and had three kids. So it's been a, it's been a big eight years for me. Right, <laughs> I mean, exactly. You got more hair in your ears now than you do on your head. I was actually talking about someone the other day, like, <laughs> not, yeah, not he, the fact that I've got more in my ears, but <laughs> um, 
like looking at photos. It was actually uh, Alex Jensen. That's who I was like looking at photos like the year or two before having kids, and then the year like the years now with after having kids is it's ridiculous. But <laughs> I mean, I started looking after Dante back then as well. So so he was um, a kid. <laughs> but it is. I mean, he's he called me as soon as he got the offer. Obviously, I played there before, and um, I actually played with the coach who's the coach now um, and the GM I played with as well. So um, some pretty tight connections there, um, but they're really happy for him. He's got a good opportunity. Um, obviously at the end of the day for him, I think it was about playing. He wanted to go and play somewhere and actually get some minutes and, and play and, and show that he's healthy and he's, he's good to go. And hopefully that, that will get him back over here, but um, a pretty good opportunity with a, a massive club. So I, it might have been Rudy, but I think it was Hassan Whiteside who was talking about getting to know guys when they come to a team. And, you know, you get eight hours downtime on the road to Killen City. You yeah. get a chance to know guys, plane flights and all that. And uh, and so they have the opinion that you're not a great guy, and then they meet you and you're a great guy. What leaf do you turn over to completely flip another human being's impression of you? <laughs> I mean, I don't do anything different. Um, <laughs> you're just nicer to your teammates. I, we talked about I talked about it on JJ's podcast the other day too. It's just like um, I think he said it. It was like I'm almost like being put in that category of like everybody like because I legitimately think there's some players that like legitimately don't like me, which is pretty funny. Um, but I, you almost get put in this category of like one of those guys like they your teammates love to play with you, but everybody else hates you. Like it's uh, it's like you're the enemy to everyone else. But then if you ever play with them, um, every, like Jeff Green texted me after he saw the quote thing in the pod about the podcast on JJ's and was like, "It's hilarious because legitimately, like you're one of the best guys as a teammate. But <laughs> if you play against you, everybody hates you because you just uh, I don't know why, and, and it doesn't really bother me. But it's uh, it's pretty funny to be funny in that way. I mean. Hassan said it when he first got here. I was one of his most hated players in the NBA. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, he used to hate. He always said that I would, obviously, like talking to him, and I would get him with a ball fake layup, and I'd run back down the court like laughing at him, and whatever would happen. But he, he legitimately was like, "Yeah, you're one of my like most hated." He, he quote he said it to the media. Mm-hmm. I, I only yeah saw it. Um, after he had said it that actually publicly, he didn't originally just walk in the locker room and tell me he hated me. Um, <laughs> but we talked about it after the, the media when he said it, and he was like, yeah, I just I just thought you were, uh, there's probably words I can't use. Yeah, I got you. We know, the, we know the um, words. <laughs> but I was like, that's crazy. And then he was like, and same thing. Like, now he loves me. And now he wants me to play as many pick and rolls as I can to give him the ball. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny how... I mean, it's like any, it's like anything really, or, or, or any role in the NBA. You kind of get a lot of the times, kind of get put in a box of like, this is what you can do or, or yeah. can't do. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, same as as a teammate. <laughs> well, there you obviously have played against way more guys than you've played with. Have you yeah. found any of those dudes that you've played with that maybe you didn't know or didn't like before they became your teammates? Um, that's a good question. Who have I played with? 
played with a lot. I've actually played with a lot of guys. Those first few years of the Jazz, we went through a, we went through a lot of people. Um, probably not. I probably not like players that I I didn't like, but um, probably more like just people that I, I didn't like, again. I didn't know, and, and you playing against them you, you kind of like something might happen on the court and you're like yeah what, what did he do that for that's bizarre or like why did he say that or whatever the situation is and then again obviously you get them as teammates but um, I wouldn't say I didn't I didn't like people or, or, or anything like that because I again I'm not going to like hate someone just because I play against them and they score on me or something like it's, <laughs> it's just ri- ridiculous but yeah. uh, I think just like Jeff Green's a good one just in terms of like not knowing him one JC's another good one like not knowing them at all never speaking to them never and then they walk in a locker room and you like instantly connect with them and you get along really well and same interests or whatever and you've got kids whatever the connections are um, and they're two that are obvious because I'm I'm pretty close with both of them um, but yeah you just go through this thing of like I I talked about it with Renee a little bit of like, obviously for me, like I, we walk into Utah, even my first year, I don't know one person on the team except Dante at the, at the time. Um, but I walk in a locker room and I've automatically got 15 friends. Like I've automatically got friends there. Um, she walks in and has like <laughs> no friends and she's trying to figure out this. We're living in a new country and, and all this. And then every year I just get these like new friends coming in. Like couple, I lose a couple and I, yeah, and I gain a few more, so it's um, it's fun. You meet so many people, and I mean, I'm catching up with a friend here in DC now who I I played with in in Spain last night. One of my Maccabi Tel Aviv teammates lives lives in Philly, and I got to see him. Um, so you get to meet some pretty cool people along the way in this this basketball thing. Well, Joe, we appreciate the time. You go find the video of Kevin Durant's uh, amazing I'm shot. Right and, and I think you'll actually, I, I'm not sure if the camera stays with him long enough, where he looks to his left. He does grin. Yeah, and he's, he's looking at Because he knew it was a hell of a shot and a hell of a call. It really was a hell of a shot. And a hell of a call. And you cracked him up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was a hell of a shot. And a hell of a call. <laughs> and, a hell of a ba- and a hell of a bad call. Oh, I see it all! <laughs> and he hadn't had any cookies either, so there's that. <laughs> I knew oh, you'd like that God. story. All right, Joe, we appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you again in another no week. All right. The Joe Ingles Show right here weekly on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, DJ and PK coming up. We've got your feedback on the way. Everything you thought about today's show. And a reminder, we're brought to you in part by Bill Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy Bill Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This week's Raider Chief game brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. We had Lincoln Kennedy on this morning, 730. If you missed it, you can get our whole show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. You can get the interview itself. It's up there, too. And the interview is right there, so you can get that. If you missed Chris Hill this week... Uh, he was really good if you're a Ute fan and you've been a Ute fan for a long time. You got into the history of coaching hires and how those worked and 
raising money for the stadium and everything that went into the Joe Glenn if Urban didn't <clears throat> yeah, take it. Yeah, Joe Glenn. Three powder and a, rubber and letter rip or something. Powder buck. What he used to say. He used to come powder on our show. river letter buck. He used to come on our show a lot yeah. when he was uh, Wyoming back when they were all in the Mountain West. He and Kyle would have had a different relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to be accountable, man. I heard him like Tuesday morning at two a.m. He said to his wife, "We're going to beat the Utes." <laughs> Kyle in his younger days, a little feistier, <laughs> a little feistier. Hey, just a little. Yeah, outside's a kick to make people accountable. So be it. In front of five students in the student union, we're going to win this week. <laughs> What's he supposed to say, right? <laughs> Kyle gets a hold of it. Up what forty-one nothing. The onside kick. Can you dial it back? A little <laughs> nope, and then Joe Joe flips him off, and then Joe gets asked about. No, I don't no, know, I don't it. dude. You're on TV. Uh oh, <laughs> that was funny. Classic. All right, time for the feedback. What are you gonna do this week? There's no local college football, and Ben says FCS playoffs. They're how college football should be. Okay, yeah. John L. Smith, man. Yeah, I'll take that job. Well, wait, I'm going to take off before I even coach there? Wait a second. That was at that level? It was. James Madison in Montana tonight. Triple header tomorrow. HD Cole says, it's going to take bacon to get me through this layoff. <laughs> <laughs> Amy's going skiing. Yeah, good for Amy. How will you survive? And your conscious at Ute Man G says, Barely. I think I'll get to know my wife again. The Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the final race of the Formula One season, is this weekend. Sweet. Two leaders are tied. That's only happened once before, and that was in 1974. USU Blue Man at Big Blue Dart is all in. I went out to track on the west side, and and at one point I made a conscious decision that, you know, I can make some money. Dan Met is curling on. Yeah, so and and I, ever since then I've been a Formula One follower big time because I knew people were into it and I could make some money off of it. Sweet, good call by you. That's my manifesto. <laughs> MOC says the same way survived during Championship Weekend. We're gonna watch other sports from home and continue continue to wish we were relevant. Hashtag meow. Oh, I see what he done. Yeah, he don't fool me. I didn't think he did. <laughs> think he fooled Jake? Which one? That Jake right there. Sitting next to you, Jake Scott? sat down no, quietly. He's just, he's just like a, like a thief in the night. He's a jazz guy all the way, man. I mean, he's on top of the world as they continue to win. He's just worried about his pregame show tomorrow. Back. Early game though, you like that? Boom. Be home at nine o'clock on a Saturday night. Oh man, seven o'clock, and I want to rock. Want to get a belly full of uh, ginger ale. Jake and Ben are coming up next. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday.